Welcome to Fit Chicks Chat, the weekly podcast dedicated to educating and empowering women to take control of their lives, where we talk about fitness, nutrition, wellness, mindset, and a whole lot more. Today's episode is brought to you by Fit Chicks Academy, where we help heart-centered women just like you who love health and fitness get certified as fitness, nutrition, and health coaches and build amazing businesses. So if you're ready to create the life, health, and career you love, please join us for our upcoming Holistic Nutrition Weight Loss Expert Certification Program. To download the brochure today, head over to fitchicksacademy.com forward slash H-W-L-E brochure to learn more. Now let's dive into this week's episode of Fit Chicks Chat. Hello everyone and welcome to Fit Chicks Chat. My name is Amanda Quinn and on today's podcast I have a really great guest joining us. I'm so excited. We have Jen Couch. Jen, how are you? I'm great. I'm doing good on this Friday. Awesome. Now, um, Jen and I actually met, we were part of the same mastermind together and we met, when's it like last September or October in Connecticut? I can't remember when we yes. went, September, I think. Um, but we were there together and we were having dinner together and just chatting about your business. And I was just like so fascinated and so in love with what it is that you're bringing to the world. And so I'm just so honored that you're here today to like share this with our listeners and be able to share what it is that you're doing and how you can help so many people. Because I think the impact you're making is crazy. So, um, thank you. So why don't you tell us, I mean, you know, you are the founder of your company is called sober sis. And why don't you tell me a little bit more about your own story and why you even went into create sober sis and what sober sis really represents. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amanda. And it was so nice to meet y'all too. I say y'all cause I'm down here in Texas. I always say um, y'all and I'm in Canada. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. So Basically, um, I started Sober Sis. It's kind of short for Sober Minded Sisters. And I started Sober Sis really after my own journey in discovering um, life without alcohol or I help women cut down. So for me, where I was really in my 30s, I was a young mom, super into fitness, health, holistic health girl. I was the, you know, wake up and have such great intentions for the day. Um, I'm a yogini. I'm uh, just, I love fitness. I love being outside. So I wake up with such great intentions to really just have this detoxifying day, right? Doing everything right. Drinking my green juice, working out. Um, and what I started to find in my thirties was I was being real mindful and healthy by day, but then wine o'clock as we call it would roll around kind of five o'clock bewitching hour where the wine witch kind of swoops in. It's like, Hey, <laughs> now's a good time for you to unwind. Um, and, and have that glass of wine, you know, so my intentions maybe that morning were maybe not to drink while I was cooking that night or to take a night off or just not get in the habit. Um, that's where I found myself was really in the habit. And I started getting into this cycle. I call it the detox just to retox loop. And I found myself good intentions, working out hard, doing all these things by day, mindful, five o'clock, all bets off. Um, you know, I'm just going to have a glass to unwind while I'm cooking, turned into two, maybe three. Easy just to kind of uh, kind of start to numb out in the evenings. I was actually tired of being so mindful. <laughs> and <Right>. so <laughs> I found myself just kind of in this loop 
where I'd wake up, you know, go back to the workout, go back to the good intentions. I knew it wasn't doing me any favors as far as my health, as far as my sleep, but I didn't really understand the science. I just kind of had a vibe in my, in my heart that it was probably not helping, but all my friends were doing it. It seemed like the whole world was doing it. And I just thought I needed to learn how to do it better, not less. And right. so that's what I attempted to do for, for even longer. <laughs> now, did you find that when you were in that, when you were in that cycle, did you find that it progressed? Like, did it get to the point where it was like, not just one glass, it was like, now every night it became two and every night it became maybe even a bottle at this point. And, you know, did that happen to you? Absolutely. Um, And I really felt a little bit of shame with that because I thought I was so unique in that. But come to find out that that's really the nature of the substance itself is to kind of increase. You know, we build up a tolerance because one glass just doesn't do the same anymore. And um, that's just a property of the substance itself. And so, yeah, I would drink one and then be like, okay, well, that was great. I want to chase that feeling. So I probably need to have another one. And chasing that feeling um, really kind of had diminishing returns for me, but I didn't understand why. So I kind of just kept kept going. So yes, I did find that I was drinking more often and more than I really wanted to a lot of the time. But here's the deal with me, and I think probably many of your of your listeners, I could reel it in. I could take a break. I could stop. Um, I didn't feel like I had progressed further down the spectrum of this physical addiction um, where I felt like I couldn't stop even if I wanted to, I could still, I could still stop. But my, my quandary, my dilemma was when I did go without, I felt miserable and I felt deprived. Really? And that actually made me want to drink again. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. made me want to drink more when I went back. It's kind of like being on a diet. It was like, I was going to say, do it. And then I would go back and have no mind change and I would go back to my old ways, sometimes even more so. Yeah, I feel like what you're saying is very similar to like the diets and sort of the way that we use other substances as well to kind of like numb that pain, right? Like, and what you were saying is interesting because it's like you're saying it's a habit and it was like this habit that you got into. And I think a lot of people get into that same habit with like maybe snacking or like certain foods that they always, you know, I always have to have dessert and things like that. Would you say it's very similar in that way? Yeah, I do think it is. And I think I think you're exactly right. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. So I've seen yeah. a lot of her work. You probably have to love her. And she's kind of, you know, she's she's just so great. And she she's the one that I guess kind of helped me understand, you know, you can't selectively numb. And so that's what I was doing with I was numbing boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, that feeling, um, definitely anxiety. You know, I was raising at the time kind of middle, middle-aged kids into my kids turning into those teenage years. And that's <laughs> where I found my drinking really turned up the dial a little bit. I turned 40 when my daughter turned 13. So mm-hmm. it was like kind of the perfect storm, if you will, of <laughs> hormones and these big milestone birthdays and rites of passage. And I really struggled um, from 40 to 45, her 13 to 18, yeah. um, which just, you know, being a mom, letting go, raising teenagers, it feels kind of scary nowadays to have kids, you know, driving and going out there. And I didn't realize <laughs> how much of the anxiety I was just kind of nipping in the bud during the evening. But what I come, what I had come to find out was it was actually increasing my anxiety. 
Mm-hmm. And I did not necessarily put the two together um, until after a while I realized, you know, I'm really dousing. It's almost like pouring gasoline on a fire is what it's like to put alcohol on anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even think I was an anxious person and I didn't know how anxious I was until I removed alcohol out of the equation for me, even just for a limited time, it became very clear to me how much it was fueling my restlessness in the evenings and my anxiety. It was actually fueling the very things I was trying to take the edge off. Right. It was creating this edge that I didn't need. I didn't have to have. Definitely. No, and that completely makes sense. Now, you were also talking about like, you know, when you were looking at sort of like your why, like the reasoning behind it. Do you think that understanding the thing, like you were just saying, like, you know, understanding what was causing that, do you think that that really helped you to be able to break that pattern and break that habit? Because when you really look at the reasoning behind it, you can actually understand how to then, it's almost like retrain your thought process around it. Totally. Do you think that's why a lot of people struggle with sobriety or struggle with breaking that habit loop because they don't actually take the step back to kind of like have that 10,000 foot view of like, okay, what's really going on here? Yep. You, you nailed it. I mean, I think you are so spot on really our relationship with alcohol is just a symptom. It, it in and of itself really isn't usually the problem. It's just the tool we're using to go uh, into a deeper a, a deeper problem that can be fixed. It can be solved. We just have to get to the root of what it is. Um, but I think when we focus on just the behavior, just the substance, just the choice without why we're doing it, we'll stay, we'll stay caught and stuck and trapped in what I call the Vino fly trap. <laughs> <laughs> I love all your little like sayings. <laughs> Hashtag Vino fly trap. <laughs> Hashtag Vino fly trap. I love that. Now, do you think like um, with this all or nothing, like, I notice this in diet culture or in like fitness culture, it's people get this all or nothing mentality. It's like, okay, like if I don't work out today, then I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Or if I ate, you know, chocolate at lunchtime, then forget it. All bets are off and I'm going to go like crazy for the rest of the day kind of thing. Do you feel like it's the same with alcohol and also the other question sort of tied into that is the whole idea of like how people deprive themselves all week to then give themselves permission on the weekend. Do you feel like that happens a lot in sobriety as well? Oh, absolutely. I feel like it's very similar. Um, and so much of my approach with sober sis is about being sober minded, having a mindset shift so that it's not so performance oriented. You know, our, our group is a little bit different than, um, you know, the traditional models that you see out there that, uh, and there are great resources out there. I think they're all great for many reasons. And I think people Mm -hmm. need to find, you know, kind of the vibe of their tribe, you know, what works for them. But for me, labels, all black and white, all or nothing, um, just didn't even appeal to me or resonate with me. To me, looking at my relationship with alcohol is similar to looking at any relationship. It has highs and has lows. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's, it's almost like a living, breathing thing where it was not so scary to look at it, uh, look at my relationship with drinking like this big, um, like you said, all or nothing, but something I could be more curious about and experiment with. And um, that's kind of what I did when I changed my relationship 
and renegotiated my relationship with alcohol, I really just took a break. I didn't, I didn't put a label on that I felt like I was going to wear for the rest of my life. I didn't even know if I would completely eliminate or stop drinking. That was not necessarily my goal. My goal was to get in control. I wanted to be back kind of in charge um, and not feel like I was being drug around mm-hmm. by this mindless sipping at night, this habit that was starting really to become a crutch. I didn't want a crutch, an emotional like lean in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, so much of the language um, that we use in our group and that really helped me was seeing things as not as a setback, but as feedback and being able to go, okay, that is just, you did a research event, a research event, girl, <laughs> start over day one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if you're running a marathon, I always say, you know, this sober minded journey is more like a marathon than a sprint. A sprint is like out of the gate, go hard, all or nothing. You fell down. Oh, well, it's over. It's a hundred yard dash. With a marathon, you can be running your race and so what? You slip and fall on mile 17. Yeah. Blew it. You had a drink. You went to a wedding and you partied down, whatever. Hey, that's okay. On mile 17, you don't go back to the starting line in a marathon. No one's there. Um, you And you don't start over and you don't lose the 17 miles that you just run. You just get up, dust your knee off, go, wow. Okay. Well, that kind of hurt. That didn't work out really well. Get back up go for the finish line, whatever that goal is for you, which again, for me is more about being mindful than it is even being sober. I'd rather be mindful than just sober. A lot of people are sober and miserable, um, counting days, really still feeling kind of stuck and trapped. The relationship with alcohol really hasn't been renegotiated. It's just been blotted out and tried to be ignored. I have a really great relationship with alcohol. (laughs) Actually, I'm not afraid of it. I don't try to just avoid it. Um, I I brought it in really close. I've looked at it, and then I've decided where it fits in my own life. And for me personally, which is not everyone I work with, it's just so happened that it's really, I just feel so much better without it that I don't need it. Yeah. No, and I love that so much because I think, you know, the, the idea that it has to be like, well, if I say that I'm, you know, sober, then I cannot drink ever again. Like I'm the same as you in the sense that I've, you know, when I got pregnant with my daughter, I obviously was not drinking alcohol. And then since then I have had alcohol twice. My daughter's now three and that's it. And, but it's never been like, I don't drink alcohol. It's just been like, I feel so good. Like I feel it works better for me and my life that I just don't really want it. You know, I don't desire it versus before, before my daughter, I was very much like a binge drinker, like very much like weekends all or nothing. And like, if I had one drink, it would turn into 20 drinks, you know, like it was crazy. Me too. Oh yeah. But my off switch, as they say, (laughs) didn't exist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, On the weekends, you know, my man would go to sleep kind of on the early end because he'd have two or three beers and it just kind of knock him down. Well, I'm, I'm mama bear and I know that we're talking to women here. So mama bear has to stay up and, you know, kind of look alive and teenagers and curfews. So (laughs) I found myself drinking while I was just kind of biding my time, kind of that 10 PM to midnight in front of Netflix, have one more 
Um, you know, and I think I'd be kind of glassy eyed when my kids came home. I wasn't out. I wasn't doing anything crazy. Um, I, you know, I wasn't completely out of my mind, but I wouldn't say I was in my sober mind. I wasn't in my clear mind. Yeah. I was less present. And and they knew it and I knew it. And here I am wanting to be a good example. And I'm showing my kids this is how you this is how you kind of bide your time when you're bored, when you're anxious, when you're lonely. Yeah. You know, and I thought, oh, this is not this is not really who I am or who I want to be. But if I keep if I keep making these choices, it you eventually become, you know, how how we are, how we act. So now you talked a little bit about like, you know, the wine o'clock mentality or like that. Now, one of the things that you see rampant right now on like social media and online anywhere that you see is like the, you know, mommy's juice or wine Wednesday or like all these different sort of funny ways of like basically saying like, Oh yeah, use this. Um, you know, use this for like basically just to get through your day or at the end of the day, it's time for this. Why do you think that is so rampant and what are your thoughts around that? And how do people kind of like, instead of falling into like the feeling of like, not like peer pressure, but like that feeling like, oh, well, everyone's doing that. Like what you were saying earlier, like, oh, all your friends are doing that. So it must be fine. If you want to change that, how do you get away from that and get away from those stories that are being out there? Yeah. Oh, great, great question. Great topic. Because about 15 years ago, the marketing industry, the alcohol industry actually looked at the numbers, did the stats and said, who is not drinking enough? For our numbers to be higher and guess who it was it was moms it was women at home it was women working that were meeting up at happy hours with their uh with their peers it was women and it was mainly moms and they said wow. no problem mommy juice labels uh all the boda boxes and all the boxes and the, the girls night out wine the girls night and the labeling and the marketing of the rosé all day mm-hmm. um, all the all the t-shirts all of it it i i mean i'm old enough to say i've been drinking long enough and aware i was a marketing major in college um, <laughs> i've literally seen the shift in the last 15 years or so um, because when i was a young mom now my kids are in their young 20s so yeah I'm almost. Um, <laughs> and you look like you're like 35. <laughs> I just did a five and a zero. Um, but yeah, so when my kids were young, you would not have seen um, mimosas at a play date. Oh yeah. my goodness, you would not have met at the park on a Saturday morning or an afternoon with a Yeti with whatever. So let's keep it real. That is now becoming more socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And there is a marketing ploy and push behind that. And I, I really feel like as women, it's important that we talk about and bring it into the light and just have conversation about it. Um, I still feel like, you know, women should feel really empowered to make the choices they want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so ironic with, you know, the Me Too movement and all the women's empowerment that's gone on in the last several years. Um, We've really made a a surge of empowerment as women. And yet in this area, we're disempowering ourselves. We're taking the power right out of our own, uh, our own presence. We're taking ourselves out of the game. Again, Brene Brown reference again, we're getting out of the arena 
and we're benching ourselves on the sidelines of life by numbing out in the evenings, not being as present. And that's what wine o'clock I, th- I feel like is doing. Um, and it's just something to be aware of aware of. So yeah, I think it's very targeted. I think it's very marketed and it's made kind of cute and pretty and funny and all the memes and it's really minimizing because we've become so immune to it. It's Mm -hmm. almost like a joke. I just posted on my Instagram story yesterday, the, uh, the can that is entitled day drinking. It's the name (laughs) of the drink. And it says, I, I, I don't have to go back and look, but I mean, it was like so overt, so not really uh, 15 years ago and beyond, it would have not been really socially acceptable to put um, wine in an aluminum can that said day drinking with a super duper cute label and sell it as a onesie in the uh, grocery store. I mean, it's just, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That would not be something like that would not have, that would not fly back in this day, but now it is, it's because we're up against something different than maybe, you know, our moms were, or, you know, even, even moms 20 years ago, uh, we're, we're up against something a little bit different. And so I think being educated, being aware is a big piece of the puzzle Um, in order to renegotiate that relationship. You kind of need to know, who you're dealing with here, what you're dealing with and kind of question the status quo. I feel like, um, you know, just becoming again, sober minded is becoming a critical thinker and evaluating. Is this really true? Is this serving me? I know quote, everybody's doing it, but how is that working for everybody? Yeah. Oh, we're not sleeping good. We're kind of losing it with our kids in the evening. Like I was, I was either so chill or I was kind of snippy. I mean, I was like, yeah, versus now, not that I'm Miss Perfect, but it's just a more stable, it's more even keel. I don't feel so emotionally affected in the Mm -hmm. evenings. Um, And my kids are older, so that helps, I got to say. But, (laughs) you know, some of it's timing too. But, but I do, I do know that when they were younger, being, being present actually was, was easier than it was uh, trying to manage checking out, but staying in. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. And I, I just, I love the way that you just position that and explain that because I do think like from a marketing standpoint, like we have to see, we have to be aware that it is messaging that's being put into us. Like it's not, it's maybe not even necessarily your own like message within yourself that's saying that this is what you should do, but it's like, you're being bombarded by so many things that are making you feel like, oh, like this is, you know this is the new normal. (laughs) Yeah. You you just, you, you see those advertisements and, you know, it works so much on our subconscious mind. Even Mm -hmm. our conscious mind can go, Oh no, I'm not buying into that Rose all day. I know that trick, but your subconscious mind is really, I mean, it is being bombarded. Mm -hmm. And when you walk in here in Texas, anyway, in the United States, you know, you walk in a grocery store and there are in my local grocery store, 26 different points of purchase for alcohol. There's not one aisle. It's at every end cap. I mean, you can buy Prosecco by the blueberries. It's at every, almost every other end cap um, when you're just checking out. So if you went in to the grocery store with good intentions, but it's kind of that bewitching hour or later in the afternoon, you know, blood sugar's down. People are just kind of looking, looking for this. Um, It's real easy to, to make it 
past the first few, you know, displays. But my goodness, after 25 displays, it's really easy to go, oh, I'll just buy it. I'll just have a glass. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's, you play the movie forward, and that's not really how the movie plays out. That's crazy that that's how they do it. Like, I know here in Canada, they have it in an aisle. Like, it's like one aisle. It's like the that's beer the and question. wine. Like you can skip yeah. it if you want to. Yeah, because I never go down it because I don't buy alcohol yeah. for my house. You know, yeah. and it's... Yeah, it's yeah, by the Oreos um, at the cash shop. <laughs> I mean, literally, if they can't get you on one, they'll get you on the other. So it's that's unbelievable. You know, it's it's it is crazy. It it is something else. So I think being uh, aware Mm -hmm. in the mindfulness aspect is so much more important than willpower, white knuckling it, creating this really uh, stressful relationship with alcohol where it's just avoidance until you just can't take it anymore. And then you deep dive in and kind of like we were talking about with the diet versus going, okay, I just need to evaluate. I just need to take a deep breath. We're not going to say always forever, but I do want to tap the brakes and just kind of see how this is fitting in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been really freeing. And that's, I think that's, I think that's more sustainable um, to begin looking at it like a relationship and more like a marathon than it is to go, okay, I'm never drinking again, or I'm never yeah. eating sugar again, or I'm always going to work out every day. These all or nothings typically, um, well, they just don't work. I love what you were just saying, like about how, you know, you do have to take it as like a marathon and not just a sprint. And I do, I agree with you 100% because we talk about that all the time in our programs about like fitness and health and nutrition, that it has to be that piece. But it's, it's such a hard thing for people to sometimes understand, right? Like they just are looking at the one end goal or they're like just in that like race to get it done. Um, what kind of things though, you know, I know with sobersis, you know, you were saying like the main thing for you is that people don't see it as like, it's an all or nothing. You have to just be like, you're either sober or you're not. So what are your sort of principles around sobersis itself? And what are some tips that you have for our listeners on how they can even just start, like if they want to like dip their toe in a little bit and just see what this world kind of feels like um, with a different kind of wine o'clock mentality? Yeah, yeah. Well, my approach is a little bit unique, I guess a little bit different. Um, I definitely take a holistic approach approach. You know, I think we're made mind, body, and spirit. So I think when we try to compartmentalize our lives too much, it's like we got one area going and the other area is totally falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I've, I've been that person where I was like, <laughs> over here, totally disciplined, totally feeling good. Or, um, you know, like spirit wise, um, I'm a Christian. That's just my faith background personally. Um, we're not a religious organization, but I do come from a faith base myself. So just in the, just in being authentic and genuine to myself, um, I definitely bring in my relationship with God, which again, it's much like uh, drinking or anything else. I feel like it's very personal and unique to each person. But for me, dialing that in as well as my mind, as well as my body was critical for me. It's like I could die. It's like I had one dialed in and not the other. And so when I got all three more in unison, I think I felt like I was walking around with such a divided mind that once I started renewing my mind, getting my mindset right, getting my heart and mind more together, more wholehearted, then the body piece, the actual drinking, the physical side became easier for me when I started doing more of the internal work. So I do come at it from a very holistic 
perspective. Um, and our group is just amazing. We've got women from all over the world. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> amazed at our tribe because we're so diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is our diversity that lends itself to such a cool atmosphere of acceptance without judgment. We have five decades of women spanning our, our community, women in their twenties all the way through their seventies. So, I mean, that just goes to show, you know, it's never too early and it's never too late to change your relationship with drinking. I work with women who are, you know, they're just young moms. They've been drinking since college and now they're 30 and they're like, okay, I'm not in college anymore. What am I doing? I I don't want to binge drink on the weekends, but I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to get out of the routine. And then I work with women who, um, you know, they're retired. They've just, they've just sold their business. They're 65 and they've been drinking for 40 years. And yeah. how, how do they, how do they look at their relationship with drinking? What's so crazy and cool is that we all come together with this like-minded goal of wanting to be more present, wanting to be more, really a version of our best selves. Yeah. And so women, I mean, I just, I love us. I love women because when <laughs> we come together, when we come together with that kind of approach and mindset of uh, recognizing that everyone's journey is different that there's not a cookie cutter mold that you have to be like me. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> giving space and giving room. Um, I love that we're like-minded as much as I like that we're different. And so that's kind of, you know, my approach is holistic. The vibe of the tribe, as I always say, is, is just really all walks of life, just so much different experience in there. And then we just get real practical. You know, we're, we don't just stay in concept. We, we get into the nitty gritty practical, you know, what do we do during one o'clock? I mean, it's so cool that we found each other, but if we don't have an alternative, if we don't have a new way of thinking, it's very hard. You've got to replace the old with something new. We can't just leave a void. Yeah. So that's a lot of the work we do. And what kind of stuff do you you recommend then for someone right now who's listening, who's like, you know what, Um, number one, tell them how they can find your tribe because (laughs) if they want to join that tribe and they think this is their vibe, but then also like, what are some tips that they could like implement today right now to just be like, you know what, yeah, I'm ready to just try this on and see how this works. Even if it's just taking a night off or a weekend or you're going to an event, you're like, I always drink at this. Well, we're not really going to events in the quarantine, but who knows, you may have a listener listening to this on down the road when our social lives are back intact. (laughs) Um, And that'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see when we get out of this pandemic time, which I believe we will, what our social lives will be like because so many people have been drinking at home and increasing their tolerance and dependency on alcohol during this time. So it's Mm -hmm. going to be very interesting when we're all kind of let loose and get out there. (laughs) So if people want to kind of reel it in, um, I do have some tips and that's one of the ways people can find me, but I'd love to talk about a couple of them. I have a free guide out there that kind of gives my top five tips and tricks for how to, how to survive this wine o'clock, how to, how to get through it with not just surviving it, but really thriving in it and having some practical tools. So, um, one of the things that, that has worked for me is learning how to kind of surf the urge. You know, these cravings and these urges are real. They're physically real, especially if you've been on the, on the wine wagon. <laughs> There's that wagon analogy. Are we on or off the wagon? I always get confused. I'm like, I don't know if I'm on or off anything. I just don't. <laughs> uh, but I know for me, when I was a regular drinker, 
uh, drinking, you know, on and off throughout the week, that craving, that five o'clock craving was really real. And so learning how to just acknowledge it, very similar with food, um, just acknowledge it and distract yourself, but also have an alternative to put in that, in that place. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, women are very, we love our ritual. We love, um, I don't know about you, but I think I speak for us when I say I love a pretty glass. I love pouring something in my glass to transition kind of day to evening. It's kind of a signal. It's kind of a cultural society thing that signals, hey, it's time to kind of, especially when you work from home, like many, many of us do. Yeah. When you're working at home or at home with children all day, it's kind of a transition piece. So I think surfing the urge is a tool that I've used to go, okay. When I was first looking at my relationship with drinking and I wanted to, to not drink that night, I would have the urge to drink still. So if I learned how to just acknowledge it and just kind of like know that it would pass, these urges don't last forever. Cravings, they don't last forever. They do go away. Um, and so I think acknowledging it and then having an alternative on hand, um, there are so, just as I mentioned, there's so much um, alcohol on the market. Fortunately, there's so much um, alcohol-free products on the market today. And that's one of the primary things I do is bring those companies, bring those products to light. Because I think if people realize that, you know, you can go to Mingle Mocktail and get a Cranberry Cosmo pre-made in a bottle for 120 calories and pour it in a fun, fancy glass, you can meet a lot of those needs um, that kind of say, you know, I'm special, this is me time, without having to do it without alcohol, without the regret, without the drinking more than you wanted to. Um, So I think surfing the urge, having alternatives, which again, if people want to follow me over on Instagram, that is one of the main things that I do is showcase um, showcase options and, mm-hmm. and show you that it can be fun and social and relaxing at home to unwind without having to have alcohol in your hand to do it. I love that. Now, where can our listeners find this guide that you have? Because I know that a lot of them will be so interested in it. And I think it's amazing that you have this opportunity and it is a free guide. So anyone that wants to just kind of check it out, they can do that. And it's, you know, it's not going to cost them anything. And I think that's that's right. No strings attached. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a PDF that people can download and print. I'm actually holding it right here. Yeah. Um, Something that you can print and, and, and have, have on hand, put it in your kitchen, put it on your refrigerator. And if you go to um, sobersys.com, that's, that's right where it is. And all I need is your email to be able to send it your way. And um, yeah, I would just love to be able to do that because I feel like the content in that guide um, is practical enough and, and really something to, to build on and practice. And that's all sober minded living is anyway. It's practical. It's all just, yeah, everything in life is just practice. Nothing is perfect in the beginning. And I think that's also why I love your movement so much because it's, you're saying to people, it's okay if you fall down, just dust your knees off and get back up. It's not that it's like, okay, well, you have failed at this and therefore you just have to stop. Because I think that's what happens to a lot of people with diets is that they start something, they sabotage themselves in some way, and then they're just like, forget it. And then they go back to their old habits. So I think what you're doing is amazing. And deeper in the frustration. And it's almost worse. And that's why I find some people, whether it be with drinking, exercise, or food, they just, I know for me, there was a time in there, there was a period of there 
where I just almost quit trying to change because I was so defeated from making and breaking promises with myself, my own relationship with me. I didn't trust me. When I said I wasn't going to drink that night, I knew that I probably, probably was. And that was, that in and of itself was so defeating. It was easier just to not try to change there for a minute and not make promises. So I find instead of trying to make promises um, and walk this tightrope of perfectionism or performance, what if we just say, hey, practice this try it on like you said try something on does it fit do you like it how's that working for you yeah you know you're free to move about the cabin people this is not <laughs> try it on you know you're not seat seat belt in buckled in and signed your life away it's just it's you know give it a try so that's what people do is you know they read my free guide maybe they try it on their own for a little bit and then they realize it's very difficult to change any habit or any behavior in isolation. Um, and I'm sure your listeners know that. And that's so much of what y'all provide is community. And that's where I've seen the magic really happen is putting like-minded women together and sharpening each other, letting each other motivate and pick, pick the other one up when they fall down. And that's where the tribe comes in. Um, and that's been, that's been really critical, I think, to people's success and progress. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Now, for anyone who is listening, who wants to learn more, wants to um, check out Jen's site, all of the links are going to be below this podcast, as well as in all the blog posts. So please, please, please make sure you check it out. Jen, I'm so grateful that you joined us today. And like I said to you, I mean, even months ago, when I met you, I couldn't wait to share this with all of our listeners, because I think what you're doing is exceptional. And I think it's important. And I think it's a message that needs to be out there. So thank you for all you do. I totally appreciate you. We just clicked right at the beginning and this is really fun to just follow through and, and have this conversation out loud. Definitely. So again, everyone, just make sure that you go to our blog post or go to sober, uh, uh, sobersys.com in order to be able to download the uh, guide. And uh, we will chat with you again next week. Thank you, Jen. Awesome. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. Thank you for joining us this week. And remember, if you are ready to create the life, health, and career you love, Join us for the upcoming Fitness and Nutrition Expert or our Holistic Nutrition Weight Loss Expert certification programs. Download the brochures at fitchicksacademy.com.